Welcome to the After Podcast. Today, we're excited to introduce our next guest, Ian Simon. As a Filipino, Toronto-based director, editor, and dancer, Ian's work is a beautiful blend of visceral storytelling and visual poetry. His unique approach combines highly art-directed scenes, dynamic camera movements, strategic blocking, choreography, and seamless transitions to craft truly unforgettable films. Get ready to explore the creative mind between these compelling masterpieces. What was first between dance, directing, and editing, and how did you progressively add the other two? In the very beginning, dance was the very first art that I did, per se. I started when I was like really young, but more so because I think we, we were forced to dance, especially being in the Philippines. Yeah, like it's so funny. Oh, because, really? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in the Philippines, and then I moved uh, to Canada when I was 15. But I think just dance itself was pretty much predominantly part of my life already because like every every single like grade that we were in from I guess like grade one till all the way to grade six grade seven grade eight we always had like this showcase where we call like a foundation day which which is like a day or like or like a whole week where our school is kind of um, celebrating like its foundational day so throughout the whole week you'll see every single grade level kind of dancing so we were kind of like forced into it we kind of have the same thing right? um, in South Africa mm-hmm. from grade one to seven like yeah. during assembly time, yeah, yeah, they would yeah. perform a certain grade um, would have the opportunity to perform a dance in front of the whole school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, That's exactly that. Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah, have yeah. that too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How, how the hell is that? <laughs> like the parallels are crazy? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how was that? Yeah, I think that was the my first introduction, I guess, with like, with like rhythm and even just choreography because like it was it was like a requirement, but like you can kind of get away with it if you wanted to but like for the most part it's like it is a requirement that they try to make sure that you do yeah and then after that like i think in grade five grade six i i did join like a dance club like now that i'm just reflecting it again like i did join a dance club um in the philippines where we did learn more traditional filipino dances and then what is that like yeah compared to i wouldn't say contemporary mm-hmm. but yeah the jazz of this western world in comparison i think in regards to the foundation, there wasn't necessarily a, I guess, like a solid base from what I remember, at least, that they didn't really give us time to really process. It was more or less just like, here's the dance, figure out the choreography. There was no base where it's like, you know, if you're learning, if you're learning dance classes nowadays, especially if it's beginner class, like they try to make sure that you understand the music and then they start to teach you like the eight counts or like mm-hmm. the eight count pattern. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, when you try to break down, I guess, the choreography and just those sequences, right? Where you have like the first eight count, second eight count. But like you have to have like your groove on top of that if you're taking like let's just say like a hip hop class or anything with a beat. But in comparison to traditional Filipino dances, from my experience, we were just like thrown into the wolves. Like in my head, I'm like, okay, kids have the ability to adapt a lot faster than adults and mm-hmm. whatnot. So they're just like, okay, let's just give it to them and they yeah. can figure it out. Because yeah, kids adapt. Yeah, to yeah. Pretty much any environment. Right? <laughs> it's easier for a kid to adapt than an adult to adapt. Yeah, but funny enough, it's like it's a mix of. Um, it was a mix of like figure it out, but also at the same time they had a stick. So you <laughs> <laughs> Yo, when I tell you <laughs> Did you get whipped? Yeah, we got whipped. 
<laughs> Yo, thick skin, bro. You you learn how to have thick skin in those moments, you know? Oh, oh. But yeah, it was just like they were very strict about it too. It's like it's funny because like you didn't know what was going on, but they'll still hit you. And you're just like, wait, like someone teach me properly. Yeah. And like, no, figure it out. So yeah. it was it was kind of like the environment. Like it wasn't necessarily always like that, but I think it was like a it, they they tried to really mix it to um for it to be, I guess, educational, but at the same time, it's like they didn't want to lose the opportunity for you to actually learn from it. Like definitely, sometimes we would go way too overboard, <laughs> but like again, I, like at least for me, like I can't speak for like any, everyone else that experienced it. Like I, I think I was able to to see it in like a different light. Yeah. Like, when I was younger, so it it didn't really affect me in a way where it's like it's it's a, it's in a negative way, especially like not enjoying dance. Yeah. I think it's more or less just like okay, like I just learned how to you know. Okay, I'm kind of <laughs> picturing you. Have you watched Whiplash? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah. It's pretty much like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. We're, the way the teacher or the professor, the conductor, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Conductor. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that can work against someone too, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like for me, I think growing up, I felt like I already had like some sort of like independence and like sense of like who I am, because I always try to like relate to the stuff that a lot of people are going through, and I'm just like, I think I'm privileged enough that I learned to, I guess, like navigate my thoughts at, at an early stage mm. also because i was surrounded by a lot of like older people growing like yeah like growing up yeah i was i was surrounded by like majority sometimes like my brother's friends and like my brother's like four years older and like my sister's friends and she's like seven years older i think yeah like seven years older i think like, i think <laughs> i'm trying to remember yeah 89 96 yeah sorry i'm giving <laughs> i'm giving away her age at this point she's about to be like what the <laughs> but um yeah so i think i've been surrounded by that and then eventually even some of the people that i hung around with like growing up they've always been like relatively older than me mm. so i felt like in, in a sense like i grew up a little bit faster just by observing and then also like learning from like their experiences to just like then apply to myself yeah. so i was very much an aware kid at the time that also had a pretty strong and solid sense of like independence because yeah. even when i was in grade one i told my mom i think that i wanted to go to school i guess like on my own just by like commuting because usually they drop me off but then i just saw that they would get busy sometimes and i was like i kind of want to like try it you know so it terrified her but you know i i, I proved to her she was like as soon as you get to school, tell your principal or like whoever that you see first, like to call me. And I'm just like, and I would go to like the security guard, like in the front, um, in like the front. Yeah. Cause we, so we have like a gate, like back in like my elementary slash like old high school. We had like a gate and there's like, it's also right beside like a church. Like I would get dropped off. Like my mom would already pay like the driver. As soon as I see the security guard, I just tell him to like, you know, text my mom. Cause yeah. like our whole school was also very like close knit in a way. So it was nice to just like people knowing each other. Well, firstly, like with the growing, you tended to know yourself. Do you sometimes have the mentality of knowing that, okay, I was being whooped over there and over here, like all I just need to gain an extra steps is have that mentality of, okay, we got to do it or else, or even if you know that you're not going to be whipped. Mm -hmm. Like, do you you get that sense? Yeah, I think I I definitely got that sense, even just from moving here i just i think it's just being part of like an immigrant and like seeing your um seeing your parents i guess like hustle just to get the life that you wanted and also yeah. um yeah it's also just being like that kid that's like different but like it didn't really phase me in again because i know and i understood like things are definitely much worse out there when when we moved here i i don't want to say it's like our ticket to go away but it really was a ticket yeah um but more so i guess like for like like our situation as like my my mom seeing it as a better future for us for her yeah, kids yeah so which which is like a true kind of like sign that like they did work their best in order for us to like get a better life so like my understanding was always like they did this for us and like nothing should be taken for granted yeah type of thing. Yeah, yeah nothing should be taken for granted and like whatever situation that i'm in 
I need to like make sure that I can make the best possible like case out of it. Yeah, yeah. that probably gave you a whole other advantage though. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think personally for me, I I feel like I had that mindset, and I kind of still do, because I I compare every situation I have to back when I was in Africa mm -hmm. type of thing, mm -hmm. right? I I know it's not great to compare, but then it's also good to know where you come from. No, exactly, and. That kind of helps gauge. Uh, okay, like there, there's crazier things mm -hmm. I have faced. What is this in the grand scheme of things? Type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what I got. But we diverge quite a bit. You started with dance, then you moved here, and then mm -hmm. how did film and editing come along? When I went to school to Seneca, because my mom wanted me to have an education, so mm -hmm. I was kind of just like, I still wanted to pursue dance as a career. I think that was like the peak of choreography youtube videos yeah um especially popping off and like all you see are like traveling choreographers you know making money and making a career out of it so that was kind of like my first instance of like like, like i guess like a dream job in a way like during the like dance for beyonce type of thing dance with beyonce's crew traveled the world with her oh that's like concerts yeah it's like within that, I, that same like time that, frame but yeah. i think i think i was more on the community side of like more of like the west coast Pat Cruz, Sean Evaristo, like movement lifestyle when that was still a thing at the time. Yeah. So that was kind of that time I wanted to still be like, I guess like a dancer slash traveling choreographer and instructor. But my mom was like, just have like a backup plan. So I kind of like, <laughs> it's funny because I was supposed to go into a plan and go into either like architecture or computer engineering. Damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of like my first step of like, hey, I think I need, I want to go into like at least some sort of field that would like make money just in case like I need a backup plan. Bread money is always yeah. important. Exactly. Exactly. But then I thought to myself, I don't really want to do that anyways. So then I looked up like an easy program that would kind of like benefit me in like so many ways. Mm. Um, I looked at RTA at like Ryerson at the time. Um, but I think because they were only... What's RTA uh, mean? Radio... Radio Television Arts. Thank there you. you go. There Thank you go. You. There you go. But then um, shout out to CMU. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are like the first few things that I saw. But then I also told myself, like, I don't want to go to university because I just don't want to stack up like too much debt, right? Mm -hmm. So I was looking into colleges. And I told my mom too, like I did my research where I was like, if I go to university, majority of it is going to be theory-based anyways. And like for me, I'm a, more of a practical person. So I'd rather yeah. go to college from like all yeah. the... Yeah, from all the... Um, not a lot of people understand that. Yeah. Like, it's it's really crazy mm -hmm. that not a lot of people understand that a college is more practical mm -hmm. and the university is more theory-based. Exactly that, though. So it's like, which which also did benefit me, because I, I also just like doing my research before diving into a lot of things, and I like to make myself prepared. So knowing that going to college was more of like, one, an easier gateway, because it was, it was only two years. Yeah. I would finish it like faster, and it was also, also more practical. Yeah. So I was like, okay, might as well. Um, did that and after I guess I finished and got my diploma so the, the college that I had wasn't necessarily anything that would I guess like push my creativity in, in a way it just like introduced you to like every single basic thing from like sound yeah to video like literally like how to open premiere but like it never really I guess developed even like after the f like the few semesters so everything that I learned after that was through YouTube and just like practicality but um for them for the most part once I got my diploma I just told myself, I'm just going to buy a camera and then just like, you know, mess around. What camera did you get? Sony a6000. Yo, what's up? Yeah. yeah. OG camera. How <laughs> I was working with it. I think the only reason why I also went to Sony was because I was still dancing at the time. And mm. I like in my head, I'm like, hey, I want to record dance videos. And then Sony is just good with autofocus and whatever. Yeah. So I kind of opted for that. And also I was on a budget. So mm -hmm. I opted for that. That was my very first camera. And then I guess how it all started from there was I just did like a montage videos, maybe like I just 
randomly shot things. Like as I was traveling from Niagara to Toronto, whenever I would visit, I would just grab like random videos of the GO train, like some signs and just yeah. like make it like aesthetic. That was like my first intro to like editing. And I also did like this one project with one of my friends. How old were you when you started? This was, I think I was like 22, 21, 22. I'm 26 now. Damn, everybody's just getting old. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, how old are you? I'm 25. Yeah. Yeah. When's your birthday? July. July? Yeah. Nice. I'm a Leo if anybody wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like, what's the sign? It's like, I'm a Leo. Well, if it's not obvious. Well. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I never go with the signs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. people hate me for that though. But anyway. It's okay, Leo, Leo sign, Cancer Rising, Capricorn Moon. I know my big three. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> anyway, anyway. But yeah, um, in 2017, so that was when I was like, yeah, like 22-ish. Yeah, I would say 22. 21, 22. Mm -hmm. But, oh man, okay, like now I'm remembering too. So even with just editing, I think as a kid growing up, I always like capturing videos yeah and putting montages in like movie maker like yeah. windows movie maker so from what i'm getting you kind of got into directing and editing right at the same time so no. Be, no 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 yeah there's a there's a but, whole but, story <laughs> okay okay yeah okay. correct me if i'm wrong here you were capturing a film on your own mm -hmm. and you were editing them yeah couldn't you say you're directing film at the time, no. Capturing it, I was a I was a videographer, so that was kind of like my the label that I would like go for was just like a videographer mm -hmm. because like you would like you would shoot and edit for the most part. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's no planning; they just like want you on like on the day of like like the set, and they're just like, hey, like I need like a videographer, and then it, there's sometimes no prep; you just have your gear, shoot, and then you figure out the edit after. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, now but, I see where you're coming from. Okay, but because I was also working with dance videos, it was a little bit helpful because I had music to like base things off. So when my, my first, for my first like gig or my first job, shout out to Tiana, she, she was the one who hit me up to like do her, her first dance video. Cause she just mm -hmm. saw like those two montage clips that oh, I posted on Instagram yeah, yeah. and they weren't even like anything dance related. It was just like music on top. And then like maybe some like random, like, like what is it? Shake effects edits and just like some fast like cut downs. And that yeah. was pretty much it. So when I did her first dance video, I think that also started for people, I guess, like seeing me as a videographer. But I was also like in that weird middle of like, I don't want you to know me as a videographer because I'm still trying to pursue myself as a as a choreographer. With the yeah. title and term videographer, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong at this point, but like it's a very loose term of like someone just like capturing video with no prep. Sometimes you have like your wedding videographer. You don't necessarily have to prep for that, right? Mm -hmm. Live event videographer. So that's pretty much like you go into live event, start capturing stuff and then yeah. just like make an edit or like a cut down. Then you also have like your corporate videographers. You just go into like, film maybe just like corporate stuff and even real estate videographers you know sometimes you don't necessarily need to have prep for that mm -hmm. as long as you have the gear to like shoot it and edit after to okay. make some sort of video so that's kind of how i started with with my i guess career in like video so i was pretty much just doing like dance videographies um capturing stuff and then the more i did more concept work where it's like there's more of a narrative storyline i started to actually help i guess like the choreographer that i was working with to actually like come up with a story before I even knew, like, that was also somewhat part of being, like, a director. Because mm -hmm. those are also some stuff where it's, like, they'll, they'll come to me with the idea, but they don't know how to shoot it. So they're basing it off of me. And yeah. I need to, like, prep myself to, to know, like, what's happening. So it, it kind of, like, it, it just became, like, a whole full workload. It just felt like the weight was, like, I just kept piling up. Because yeah, then I kept doing more yeah, prep yeah. beforehand. Before I would just, like, shoot. But because, like, I also wanted my quality of work to just, like, uh, expand and just get better. I, I need to know that I need to, like, 
prep some stuff more beforehand just so I know like what I'm shooting and like where I'm going to the edit. But I think what helped with that, with just like shooting and not having any prep was most of my work ended up being in the edit. So it's it's like, again, like I guess being an editor, it's you're kind of also involved into like re- rewriting the story of whatever you shot. So that's kind of like the first instance of me being like, okay, like my edits need to also like look cool, you know? Like with that, what was mm-hmm. your first prominent directing gig? It was in 2020, I would say. It was uh, the Kinaj um, dance video that I did. It was funny because we had like a three, we had a three video contract that I would produce for them. Um, the first one was this like, what is it? Um, this kind of like glasses, like somewhat commercial that we did. Nice. Um, that was also like a dance concept video. That was the first one. There's a second one that I don't remember. And then I think like that campaign slash like, yeah, like video that we did that like I directed for the most part, I think I asked them that if I could like take like full reign of just like, nice. directing. Yeah. Because I think that was- And like, they gave it to you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, That's a lot of faith. It is. It is. But the good thing is like, I've worked with Kin, AJ's partner, since the very beginning that I started with videography. I've pretty much built my relationship with her at the time. I took the initiative of like, hey, like, am I able to just like direct this if that's cool with you guys? Because I'm always like, I'm very much a collaborator. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to take their ideas. But it's more or less just like, I think I had to like make sure and reassure them that like, y- the creative idea is still yours. But in regards to like the film direction for it, like, let me just take over. So they were, they were very much open to it. Because I also, yeah, I, I did like, I DP'd for AJ's like, one of, one of his like first videos. Mm-hmm. Like the one with the croissant. I think, yeah, like their faith in me was definitely, like it was like, it was built. It wasn't necessarily like, oh yeah, like we trust you right away. Yeah. So because I've had, I've had Kin, I've worked with her on like her solo projects for like the past five years. Nice. So we have a good relationship. Yeah. So we've built like a really solid like working relationship in that end. And then with AJ, I think when they, when they both started, I guess like dating. Yeah. Um, and when he, like he's, he's seen my work before too, but like, I don't think we've really gotten to know each other until they started dating. So I got close with him as well. And then. I think after that, they just, you know, put their full trust in me. And like, it, it was like a solid response from like, like a lot of people. Damn, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Nice. But um, yeah, that was my first instance. But then I also, I think after I, I took that route, I just felt like something was still missing into like, I guess, like directing. So then in 2021, I took my very first um, director's workshop. It's a whole organization that I guess like that does represent more BIPOC people, mm-hmm. like in the broadcast TV and film world. Did you have to sign for it? It was a free workshop, actually. It was a free yeah, workshop. Yeah, they promoted it on like on their socials. And then I kind of was just like, I'm interested in doing this more. So what they did was they paired us up into groups that they felt was also within, I guess, like our style and like what our intentions were. So they paired me up with with uh, this director named Go, Go mm-hmm. Irimoto. So they paired me up with him and like, up like not just him, like my myself, like Is there's like a bunch of us. He's Japanese, yeah. It was it was a nice kind of like platform to also be surrounded by like other directors. Like that's also where I met like Jimmy Vai, um, Justin Wu, and like other. There's one one oh, I forgot I forgot her name. It's so bad because she was she was so sick. Mm-hmm. Like she does more comedy work. Um, that's tough, man. right? It's it's tough. Like that is tough. Yeah, like, like especially like making people laugh. Yeah, <laughs> making <laughs> people laugh and also <clears throat> not instigating anything. Mm-hmm. Like that's tough. Exactly, because you're walking on like like a lot of ice, exactly. Exactly. You're but, uh, basic, you basically have to be like Jesus walking on yeah, water. water. <laughs> yeah. You need to start floating at one point. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, at some uh, point, you got to be out of the orbit of Earth, bro. Yeah. Like, anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that, that was my first, I guess, um, exposure of, like, being surrounded by other directors. So, what we did for the first one was they wanted us to make, like, a, I think it was, like, a five-page treatment. That was my first introduction to, like, treatment uh, creation. That I start to realize, especially if you want to go more into commercial, like treatment that's something like, treat, like treatments. So treatments are pretty much visual 
for for like a better lack of wording, it's like a, it's like a visual mood board. Okay. That talks about like your creative idea and you put into writing and visual references. Just oh, so, okay. Yeah, just so like whoever you put on your team and like your crew, they're able to like understand your vision from like start to finish. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It just really depends on the project and depends on how much thought you want to put into it. So you can go, you can dive deep into like the cinematography of it, the editing, uh, okay, the, Roger, Roger. yeah, production design and all that fun stuff and like the colors and all that. So that was kind of like what they did for us. They didn't want us to do like an extensive one, but they kind of wanted us to like, again, see like, I guess where we can like start off and just so they can also give us feedback. I see. Yeah. So that was my first introduction of like treatment creating was in 2021 when I took that workshop. And then over time in, in the entire year 2021, I, I was just kind of like working on, you know, just being a better director, I guess, like as like on, on the side, mm-hmm. not necessarily like directing a lot of things, but more so like what else do I need to prep for myself in order to, you know, if there's ever like a bigger opportunity that I would get. Right. Mm-hmm. And then funny enough, um, I think it was in the summertime they're like canadian so canadian dance is like a dance company that also funds um, emerging choreographers emerging emerging dance artists nice. yeah nice. so that was kind of um so kin again she applied for the 2021 grant and then we i was i was able to be on set for that one too like cam up and then um so that was also my kind of like my first instance of like what canadian dance was and then in the summertime they released like another grant opportunity to you know to like i guess like fund their fun, like fun projects so that was my first instance to be like okay maybe i should just like try it right and then hence the film that you saw yeah so that was funded by them one. thank you yeah. yeah so that was funded by them and that was also my first i would say my first i guess like direct directorial debut of like again like being a director and also like somewhat of a writer but, okay yeah. you've been talking about uh, applying to workshops mm-hmm. do you find that a lot of people apply to them or no. Funny enough, no, yeah. It's yeah. like not a lot of people that's also within, I guess, the same. Again, granted, I'm like fairly new to it. Yeah. So I can't really say that like nobody but, goes to it. But from your mm-hmm. your personal experience. Yeah. Right. Do you find that a lot of people apply to it or um you actually any person applying to it has a great chance of applying to it? Mm-hmm. For like the grants and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think for grants, not a lot of people I'll I'll relate it back to dance because it was still within like I guess dance, I guess, life for this one. With the commercial scene that I guess with commercial choreography scene per se, yeah, and all the people are they're they're just they're just not aware because mm. it's the main people that I've seen that knows about grants and like even just funding are more so people from the contemporary world. Yeah, yeah, like quote unquote contemporary world. Yeah, yeah, that's something as well in university going into it. I I don't know where I got mm-hmm. this, but then I was watching. I like I like watching random stuff, mm-hmm. right? So Same. there was just like this docu I was watching on grants. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, I think it was in the U.S. and Canada, stats-wise, mm-hmm. mainly U.S., because everything stat-wise is always in the, the U.S. US. Yeah, <laughs> There were so many grants that were offered, um, $5,000 grants, $10,000 grants, but then only like less than 100 people would apply to these, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So your chances of getting these are pretty like, high so still. high. Yeah. Because they would also give, like, with these grants being, like, 5,000 and whatnot, they'd pick, like, 10 of them. Exactly. Right? So, like, surprisingly, yes, the process of writing them is tough and mm-hmm. whatnot, right? But also, just keep in mind that not a lot of people apply simply because it is a lot of work yeah. applying to it. And you'd be surprised how great your odds are mm-hmm. of getting a grant. Yeah. But, but on top of that, though, from... Not a lot of people want to apply 
application process sometimes is tedious, but that is part of it, right? Especially if you're wanting to get like free money from yeah, the government exactly. pretty much and like sponsorship. But I think from from my end, it's just people aren't aware. Like not a lot of people are just aware of like grants are actually the, like a good spot to, I guess, like get funding from. And then, yeah, I think from from there, I think I, I started to really understand like, okay, grants are the ones that should be funding. Because a lot of people, especially in... Who grew up, I guess, I, I could just say, like, who grew up in, like, the YouTube choreography era. Mm-hmm. A lot of the dance videos that they created are all self-funded. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, sometimes it true. goes, yeah, sometimes it goes from, like, hundreds to, like, thousands of dollars for them yeah. to, like, spend on, like, locations, um, equipment, gear, and, like, the videographer and the editor. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of it was self-funding. And then, to me, at the time, I was, like, me living in Toronto, trying to, like, self-fund my own dance videos, I cannot do that. Yeah, you know? and a lot of people don't, like here living mm-hmm. in toronto we don't really have the privilege exactly of self-funding exactly you know so Especially having, if you're paying rent <laughs> exactly right so having the ability to go to canada council of the arts or mm-hmm. toronto art council yeah i'm not gonna say it's easy mm-hmm. but then it's really a great way of like being able to fund something that yeah. you really want to do that you really have a passion for exactly like it, it gets you off your feet too at the same time and like the good part about some grants too is that whoever is the organizer they always try to make sure to like pay yourself you know what i mean like yeah. canadian always like embedded in my head because to me i was like okay i have money to actually pay friends now you yeah know, to like make make this film yeah because to me it was always like the issue why i also never really made anything was because i, I even though i was like a videographer myself like at the time I just didn't feel right, like not being able to pay anybody. So at the time, I was just very much like, let me just build my work and whatever mm. and like see where it goes. And then I just never really had a goal at the time. So when I got the grant, I was kind of like, I was really ecstatic because I'm like, yo, I, I could pay my friends now. So yeah. I'm able to like pay them out. And when I first started looking at grants, I, I felt like it was money that I needed to be broke in order to get it. Yeah. yeah. Like that was the mentality of it. But then through research and understanding what grants are about, no, Mm -hmm. it's not, hey, I'm broke. Like I need someone to create this. No, it's Mm -hmm. not that. It's okay. Like you keep whatever money you have in your pocket Mm -hmm. and we will help you produce what you want instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's a reason why too, because again, like people want to see more art. Like that's why they're able to fund it, and like they're all—it's also becoming more prominent nowadays. That it does, you know, it does—it does bring a sense of you know value to like people's lives now, yes, more than before. But yes, very true. Yeah. So yeah, going kind of like going back into it, I think once I got the grant, I guess I I was able to like be more confident to actually tell myself, okay, like I'm a director now. You know what I mean? Mm. So that was my very very first project, and then after that, I think also because my editing style is also just very much. I definitely build like a like a, a stylistic style for myself yeah. especially with like editing and then yeah i think that was kind of like just just part of like the process i think editing was always there with me like since the very beginning and like mm-hmm. i think i just started to utilize it more as i started to i guess do more projects that were of a bigger budget ish hey there if you're loving this conversation with ian and eager to explore more amazing stories from the realms of art film dance and music We'd be thrilled if you could subscribe or share this episode with your friends. By doing so, you're helping our creative community grow and flourish, and we truly would appreciate your support. Looking at how you have gone through dance, Mm -hmm. editing, and directing, and how you're working with them right now, Mm -hmm. how do you see yourself, though, working and navigating through 
your world with them in the future mm-hmm. what what's the ideal goal is is the goal to discard one work with two mm-hmm. use all three add another to the mix i'm most definitely having all three of them integrated in my life it's just one of those things where it's like some people find it weird when they're just like oh i'm not a dancer anymore and like to me it's just like you're, you're still a dancer you still you still dance if you could do a two-step you can still dance <laughs> i don't think i'll ever let go of any one of them to be honest i think with dance i definitely took a pause um last year mm-hmm. only because life just got busy like i started i had a full-time like i had a i still have my full-time job <laughs> um like I, I i started working full-time for this production company and then also doing like freelance work and i also just started like going to the gym more so i think my physical activity mainly went to all i guess like all of those that like mm-hmm. having time to actually go like take dance classes was also i guess like i just never prioritized it which was totally fine like i already told myself okay this year i'm just gonna focus on actually with like filmmaking and also just kind of like building my repertoire. I, I guess like going back into it, I think the last instance I, I was still training in dance was back in 2021. Yeah, I think once once I was going to film, I guess like production in early 2022, I think I, I really started to just focus more on film like throughout that year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I've only seen like one dance class. Really? From like last year, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like back in May. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So again, but I still... I still freestyle like here and there. Like whenever yeah. like I'm with the homies, like I would just get down with them. Or if I'm just at home, I'm just like playing music. And then that's kind of like my sense of like it's like a break for me or just a sense of meditation in a way. So I still uh, dance. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And you still look to mm-hmm. dance in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's still part of like what I'm trying to do right now. And I'm trying to incorporate dance more in regards to just movement exploration and just like freestyling yeah. uh, throughout the year. And that's why like it's still in- interconnecting for this year for me. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a... Of balancing all together, of everything all together. I'm I'm also somewhat transitioning into doing more freelance work, which I'm hoping to have that full time mm-hmm. sometime in the near future. But for the most part, yeah, like editing and directing will will both come hand in hand. Editing yeah. will mainly be, I guess, my main support system for finances, and then with directing, it's like if I get any of the jobs, you know, because again, like it's it's a whole different world with like directing. It's a, it's a much tougher, quote unquote, tougher industry to like get into, or even just be chosen as like one of the directors for like, pro- like a bigger project like you're freelance right now in, in terms of film looking at that though you haven't mentioned anything of like i want to do like movies or anything yeah. like that yeah, right? yeah so like i'm just thinking union versus non-union you seem to be more on the non-union yes. side of things yes right so um say for instance DGC yeah, it's directors like a, it's, yeah that's of Canada of Canada yeah that's like yes. the unions for for directors yeah. Yeah. yeah so would you not look into getting into say directors guild of Canada I am I am yeah you're looking into it yeah I've I've been looking into it but because of the extensive amount of work that you have to do in order to actually be part of the DGC there's like a certain amount of hours that you need to be working for a commercial set mm-hmm. I think I could also be wrong but there's also certain criteria that you need to do in order to actually apply for it it's, it's almost like um it's almost like a build-up mm-hmm. like if if you apply for a dgc from like my knowledge at least for now is that it's it's somewhat of i wouldn't even say tedious but it, it does require a lot of like work getting into a union is a lot of work simply because once you get in you're in there's more stability into it yes too. you have the union that's backing you up just to yeah. make sure you don't get you know so that is also a goal of yours yeah yeah, yeah. but i think that's more of like the five ten year goal like that's like more of the future goal so i think right now is just building myself learning more about being mm. a better director being and a honestly director. there's no rush yeah there's, there's no, no rush, rush i'm it. taking my time like it's very rare like to find young people mm-hmm. in union yeah and know? funny enough one of the directors that i like started following he's also another filipino director i don't think he got into the dgc until like last year but 
one of the one of his his first features he directed in like twenty like twenty years ago. Oh, so that's yeah. like it's it's extensive. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's just a learning process. Yeah, it's right. a learning process, and it's also like. At least for me, there's there's different like avenues, and like because I also yeah. learned that there's different avenues for any director. You can either be a music video director, mm. commercial director, film director, or like feature film, short film director, and documentaries. Yeah. There's so many avenues that you could take. But I think for me, because I'm trying to dive into like every single world, I think I'm just having fun with it. And like whatever hours of work that I put in, that I'm able to put in the, the DGC like in the future, like I'm there's really no like set timeline. With the DGC, do you know if it also includes like music video directors or is it just mainly sure. film big I'm not budget sure. i'm not sure to be honest at least like i don't i'm not sure with music videos i know commercial work there is a certain amount of hours that you have to put in mm. and then also i think either tv like scripted tv work there is also a certain amount of hours that you have to put and then yeah. on top of like like a feature film runtime so there there's yeah it's it's very much I feel like you need to be capable of more than just directing you, you, yeah well, well directing is an umbrella term mm-hmm. i i think would you call directing an umbrella term i don't think so like doing multiple things because a director does like yeah. a crazy amount of things yeah. right it's that, it's it's very no it's it's like I, I get what you're what what you're saying but i think also because i think my strong suit in like the director aspect is because i know also also how to like i know how to like dp so that means like I also know how to handle camera, the technicalities of it. Um, gaff. Yeah, like well, not necessarily gaff. I, I'm learning how to gaff and like grip whenever I get the chance to. But in regards to just like creating compositions and like knowing what to have in like a scene and like how to frame it and like what lenses to use that best suits, I guess like, like the visual. That's pretty much I would say like I'm I'm strong suit in like you know cinematography for that one. But with lighting, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then same thing with editing too. Like I know what happens in the post production process, and nice. same with like a little bit of coloring. I feel like EC like as a director you have to know all of these. Like yeah, but the funny thing is there are directors that also don't know any of those. Really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is wild, which is wild. So that's why like I think I have a bit like I think because I was able to know the process from like start to finish, mm. it's definitely being able to translate it. It's it's like one of those like transferable skills that does help with the process of like pre-production because there are some directors too that just go into like sets and they they don't know what's going on. They're just like, "Okay." I feel like that's a really tough set to be on honestly it's you know i've never been on on a set so i can't really comment on that but i've yeah. heard, i've heard some stories well it's nice being around someone who is capable mm. of multiple things you know and who understands other um aspects of yeah. the workplace it's great having someone who mm-hmm. knows at least the basics because yeah. if they know the basics then they can make your life very easy yeah it's the little mistakes in the beginning mm-hmm. that just tend to snowball <laughs> that just tends to snowball exactly exactly and they become really big problems that the person has to go back and fix yeah later on no exactly and that's that's kind of like what definitely helped me to like to have like the skill set that i have now is yeah. like learning all of those the the one thing that i definitely learned when i do- i dove more into film is just like color grading and then like i think this year i'm really diving more into like vfx what do you use for color grading da vinci nice <laughs> what are you gonna be using for vfx just for my personal projects, After Effects, but After like effects, it's just for yes. me to like learn also the language of it, because I'm starting to implement more VFX work into like my projects, like whatever projects that I'm trying to put together. Um, I know for a fact I need a VFX supervisor, mm. but as long as I'm able to like translate what's like capable and what's not capable, at least the conversation is gonna be a little bit more easier. Like the, the yeah, the the workload doesn't necessarily have to you know 
be too i guess like be too crazy per se because then that means like if i have a vfx supervisor there we can all communicate with my, my dp too and like how to shoot things what's necessary for like the entire scene so that's that's kind of like like what you said being able to learn and know the basics can go a long way yeah you don't need to know the majority of yeah and that's why like you collaborate with other people too right because they can just make your visions better too so exactly and if you know the basics of it you know what to expect exactly yeah i think bread money is important in any artist's journey it helps one fund one's art Art. firstly and most importantly offers a roof over one's head Uh, some artists have their art generating funds themselves Mm -hmm. and i feel like for most though like that's not the case and we need a secondary job like what's what's your way of funding your art you mentioned editing no, yeah. So editing is pretty much what I'm doing full time for like my like the work that I'm doing for this production company that I work at. But I think once I go full freelance, editing is is definitely one also the main source of income that I'm going to have because I also still have my camera. So if there's any like smaller shoots that just needs you know some like a videographer, yeah, I'll probably try to shoot those ones too. And then you know extra stream of income. In regards to I guess yeah like the bread money. I think my main source of income would just be like client work. That's what I've learned too. Like it doesn't have to be the most creative sometimes as long as it can pay the bills and like you know you're able to survive i think that's all that matters and then the stuff that i'm going to also do on the side like smaller visual projects that's also what's going to fuel i guess like my own i guess artistic ego so like some there's like a project that i just did with um with a friend of mine like johansay and like i just did like this one project called odyssey that i'm trying to do like throughout the year nice name yeah i like that name (laughs) thank you yeah so it's pretty much like a like a journey of like whoever the person that like i've met through this life they don't have to be necessarily any anyone huge you can literally just be someone that I met and then I just connected with you and I just want to highlight the spotlight. Nice. Yeah. Do you find that editing is just like the rest of the film mm-hmm. quiet during the season? By the way, we're, mm-hmm. what's it? What are we in? We're in winter. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. is January. We're it's still January. in January, right? Yeah. January right now. End of January, pretty much. Yeah. So I just feel like people shoot during the hot season and mm-hmm. end of december till end of december and then this is the time for editors to shine type of thing is is that the case or i guess i'm I'm just privileged at that i would say is that because i have like a pool of network of other directors and also like other clients that i've kind of like built throughout the throughout the years and even like the past like few months so i've just been getting like editing jobs you know pretty often that's also why i'm debating on like leaving like i'm not debating that's also why i'm like, quitting my job because like things are starting to pick up so yeah in regards to editing i think it's just it's a mix of also knowing people that like trust you and it's 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 also crazy because i just never realized is that a lot of people also like are trying to find more editors and like there's also really? yeah it's more or less just like not a lot of people trust a lot of editors which is like something that i just found that was very shocking what do you mean by that like just reflecting i've never really offloaded my stuff to like other people because i knew i've i've always known how to edit my stuff right but i also know there are some directors that like because of the the way like their style they also need to at least find someone that also kind of like is within like their the, the same, I guess, like oh. visual aesthetic. Mm. So it's kind of like tough to find editors sometimes that can like, you know, rewrite okay. that vision for them or at least like repl- replicate that vision for them. Yeah. But still adding their own stylistic choices to it. Holy hell, I did not know that. Yeah. So you're basically like the software engineers. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much in a way, yeah. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, like editing does take a lot of time in, in like your day. And like some people, you know, obviously with, with time being so valuable nowadays it's like people can't always edit their their projects right because they also want to get more jobs for like separate things do you know any locations or any clicks or groups where one can find editing sources mm-hmm. 
around the city or even online? Yeah. Um, there's like Facebook groups. I need a fixer, producer. That's a good one. <laughs> but that's yo, like the most common one. Yeah. Um, and then there's also like groups for editors. But I think it's also because of, with editing too. So yeah, just to be clear, it's like it's not always like client commercial work that I'm doing. I also like I'll also do like a, a YouTube video edit. Yeah, pretty much like with with editing, like there's different jobs too. So it's like sometimes mm. I do like 60 second like spots here and there where it's like for like maybe like a like a branded you know business that just wants to advertise like a product or whatever. Yeah. yeah like those yeah. are like very easy to to put together and then you have like more like i do also like sometimes do long format work i try to avoid long format because again like it takes so much time so i try to do more like projects that has like a 30 second to maybe even like two three minute max limit oh just so i can also get more work because if i if i'm only if i'm stuck with a project that's like maybe like a short film or even like a documentary i also want to make sure that i'm i'm being able to sustain myself throughout that period what are three things you wish the people who are giving you these clips to edit would include in, say, their like requirements. Well, like information wise, information wise, okay, yeah, right. Because sometimes a client doesn't necessarily give you the proper information. Yeah, and you're there, you're stuck mm-hmm. in this end, in this zone, being like, oh man, like this client didn't give me this information. Okay. I have to rework this. Yeah. I have to revamp it, and then they come again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to revamp it. And some things like that. And mm-hmm. two or even one yeah. example of how you break that curse, that wall yeah, of yeah. having to revamp things over and over, over your time allocated mm-hmm. to XYZ project. Yeah, I think it's it's just knowing the process of post-production, um, which not a lot of people understand. And sometimes it goes into this it goes it, it just juggles every single time but like if if like just knowing what the process is for us too mm-hmm. just so like everything can be more streamlined you mentioned this yeah like i think <laughs> just, yeah just for everything to be streamlined so yeah. you like you have your assembly cut just so like everything looks good you send it to the client yeah if you have if they have time um there, there's there's multiple different ways so you can either edit the video right away as like a almost like a full edit you have your music you have like your sound effects whatever your graphics and everything send it to them because sometimes if you just send like an assembly cut of just whatever clips that you had to put together sometimes they don't really see the entire vision so then they're going to assume things that you probably won't be able to you know yeah let them understand so yeah there's there's ways where as an editor you can send the full somewhat finished version that they can just break down apart or you could send them like an assembly where they can just look at it and just be like oh can we add this here can we add that here so yeah. there's like multiple ways of going through it that, like, i guess like a piece of advice would just be knowing how to streamline it so you go to your assembly you go into your picture lock you go into go into your color grade and then you add like the sound effects and sound designs and whatever VFX on top. So there's like those processes just to make everything a little bit more, I guess, like an order. Because if you're already in picture lock and a client's like, oh, like I f- we forgot to add this clip and we're just like, but we're about to color. So like it does mess up like the, the whole stream. You know, you can't avoid it sometimes, but like, and like, you just have to work with what you got. I was just talking to um, Quinn, who mm-hmm. is a graphic designer as well. And he mentioned something very prominent and I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. right. Um, basically, he was like, when I work with clients, I give them like three chances to change yeah. things, mm-hmm. right? And after the third chance to change it, I'm basically going to start charging them, yeah. right? Simply because like it kills my time mm-hmm. and I don't want to work for free mm-hmm. and it makes the project run long. So stuff like that. Like that was a very prominent thing yeah. that I heard from him. Um, especially as an editor, I find. Yeah. Well, 
anyone graphic works, design every anyone who works in, in digital art pretty much yeah yeah so yeah i i would say the same thing it's like having the revisions that's why like i think like it's it's very like that process is not like the perfect formula mm. it, it works for it works for music videos or short films maybe but if it's just like regular client work or even like youtube videos sometimes you just have to make as much of the edit as you can or at least like go to as close to the final version yeah. as much as you can because then that, that eliminates also their assumptions to be like oh yeah like can we do this can we do that so it makes life a little bit easier okay so you add your little twist to it pretty much yeah nice, yeah, nice. yeah yeah so like sometimes the only frustrating part is like if they don't like it they're just like can we change the entire thing <laughs> yeah i think it's like time it's like time wasted but then also it's it's a mixture of really just communicating with them sometimes you mm. know what i mean so it's like just getting to know what they really want sometimes you can't even have direct communication with the client yes. as an editor because yes. you have the producer on top of it okay so, so you have a middle stages. person yeah yeah so yeah and then sometimes it's like an editor if you talk directly to the client they're probably going to give you so much like information that is like crossing your boundaries you know what i mean so it's it's very much yeah every situation is different but overall it's just kind of like a piece of advice is like knowing how the editing process works it doesn't yeah. again like literally learning the basics yes you know like learning the basic information learning what the language is and also like having all your assets ready, just being being prepared for the footage and also not expecting too much from like what you've got. Frustration from doing all of this and say having to redo work over and over and over again comes into the play of mental health and burnout mm -hmm. and all that jazz, yeah. right? Mental health is a very important aspect mm -hmm. of anyone and to anyone, especially in today's age mm -hmm. and where we are right now. That wasn't a thing like 20 years ago, mental no. health. They did like, not give a damn. The fuck was mental they, health? They did like, not excuse give a damn. me, <laughs> what the hell is mental health? Yeah, they did not give a damn for that. For you managing to edit, direct, and dance, mm -hmm. one can say that burnout is quite possible. Like yeah. in my head, I'm like, okay, you're doing all of these, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's a fast road. Yeah, to paradise mm -hmm. right there. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So um, for some people working constantly 24-7, that can lead to the deterioration of yeah. the mind. And also it can just make one's work effort not necessarily stagnate, but drop. Yeah. So how do you avoid burnout? And if you reach a point of burnout, how do you combat it? Mm -hmm. um, I think learning how to balance life definitely came from the, the pandemic just being at home and like knowing what actual rest was and also being okay with not doing anything so it's like implementing that I'm, I'm super relaxed and like whenever i have like work to do and like especially if it's hectic like i know when to like turn my switch on just kind of like adding to that it's like i did learn how to be by myself at such a very low stage of my life yeah you know what i mean and it's like i think once you're like you hit like rock bottom you're kind of just like damn i really have to deal with my thoughts yeah, right <laughs> yeah right? like no, no way of getting around through yeah. them. You just have to face them. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think learning how to balance was for sure a huge theme after that year. So it's it's like a progression for me right now. Like 2021 was like a balance of, okay, like if I'm not doing any work, that's totally fine. You know, yeah. it's okay. And like, I know things start to open up. Like a lot of people like went into like full force, like so fast. Once like lockdown, I guess like lifted. Everyone was just like, yeah, I'm trying to do all this work, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But to me, I'm like, I should not feel the pressure. And I, I always like kept reminding myself, okay, don't feel the pressure just because everyone's doing so many things right now. You don't necessarily have to do anything. And then it was, and then 2022, like last year, I think when I started going into production for my short film, that's when I felt like the rush of everything happening because like there were so many things, everything was so condensed in like a couple of months. And then also on top of, I guess, doing other projects there too. But I still gave myself like that grace 
if I'm not able to do one thing, like I shouldn't be too hard on myself. So, and then there, there, there's a time too where it's like, I think I definitely did went into bur- a little bit of a burnout sometime in June. So like how I guess like how I combated that was really telling myself, I'm gonna take a break. Cause I think I just kept saying yes to a lot of things. You took a break right before you felt the full effect of yeah. burnout. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's I took, good. I took, I took a break. I gave myself a timeline every single time. I'm always like, okay, like this this month is gonna be so busy. I probably need to like give myself this month to just like relax yeah. and not do like a lot of things. So that's kind of how just to answer your question again, yeah, that's how I kind of like balance burnout mm. and like how to balance not to be burnt out is to just know when things are gonna start slowing down for me. Yeah. Yeah. And also like reminding myself, like, yeah, you're you're almost there. And then also just finding times in between my day to also not think about work and taking a break. Like I think Right now is probably like one of the most busiest times that I have. Like I don't have a break until maybe like February or March. Really? Yeah, Damn. yeah. Like after March fourth, like Damn. I think that's like my main main. Whereas thing. everybody in film is like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> well, only like spare some change, please. Yeah. Spare some change. <laughs> no, only because I've also started to reach out to people now, which is like another like thing. Like I'll I'll add more into it later, but I think just finding the balance of it too. You know, like, I I feel yeah. and that's very difficult. Yeah. Um, from like work to like social life and yes. being able to like manage like your friends, you know, like your family and then also your physical health and like even going to the gym. But sometimes like, like I see it in weeks nowadays too, where it's like, okay, like maybe this week, like I'm not going to talk to anybody, but I can go to the gym and like focus on myself. The week yeah. after I'm probably going to talk to friends and like also doing work on top, but I'll probably like not be able to go to the gym and like do any physical activity. So it's kind of just like finding a balance in between. And it takes a while though to find yeah. that balance, mm-hmm. right? It's, quite impossible to just be like okay here let me yeah let me get this that works for me you i feel like in order to find that balance you kind of have to like correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. but this is my impression of it so you ha- you have to go through it once at least to know that okay like how how can we avoid this mm-hmm. type of thing and if you don't go through it well congrats to you first of all <laughs> <I know>. it's <laughs> crazy but at the same time what are you doing with your life <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but still, like I feel like even the most toughest of toughest people mm-hmm. still you experience burnout. Yeah, they experience burnout. I experienced burnout for an entire year, and uh, a year and a half. Oh, that's a long time. It's tough. Yeah, I'm back at it. I'm rejuvenated. I know when I'm about to experience it, mm-hmm. and I know how to combat it. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. And at the same time, I feel like it's great because i didn't know film existed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. film offers me the ability to work a month get off a month yeah. work a month get, get off, off a month. month yeah type of thing right and i feel like that really works for me mm-hmm. and at the same time with that notion of okay i could work a month get off a month i could do another thing i could yeah. get another bread bread money type of gig yeah and like yeah. you're also like finding a balance because like now you're also able to also rejuvenate like the creative juices while exactly. you're being exactly but that's the thing right i think with burnout too a lot of people always experience it because you're you keep using this like your fuel and like if you don't again if you don't like refuel yourself or even just learn something like in the process you you will feel burnout because you're also you know that you're also doing the same thing over and over again. Exactly. You know, it's it's nice to like take the time to actually like learn something new or not even learn something new, just like live life, you know, yeah. just coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like coasting is not a bad thing. Like on top of that too, it's like because of the pandemic, it just reaffirmed so much like your humanity so mm. much because again, so many people are still doing their thing during the pandemic, but there's also like that mixture of people being like, it's okay if you're not doing anything. 
I, I definitely took that over whenever I'm not doing anything anymore because yeah. like, my value as a person and like as a human does not equate to like my work. I agree. Yeah. Damn man. Um, so um, we're gonna we're gonna get into resources. Yeah, they're an important aspect of Afton. Mm-hmm. Are there any resources that you have utilized um, in the city or um, online? Yeah. Even if even if it's not necessarily for the city, for example, Canada Council of the Arts. Yeah. Um, something yes. global. If you yeah. think there is something in Philippines that could help other mm. people, like any resources that yeah. you find, there's um, are there's, useful. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot, especially nowadays, because a lot of um, people are also like posting more opportunities. Because I also start to follow more, I guess, like those accounts on Instagram. But yeah, like you have your standard ones, which is like Toronto Arts Council, like or Ontario Arts Council (OAC). Yeah, so you have those, and then you also have some stuff for like. Wait, there's Toronto. Our count there's Toronto Arts, Arts Council, Council and there's, and there's Ontario, Ontario Arts, yeah. and then there's Canada Council of the Arts. Yeah, so that's already three. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but in regards to also other opportunities like even outside of film, just art in general too. It's like you have a crew club on like Instagram, you have Higher Higher, um, which, higher, higher Higher. Yeah, like Higher Higher. Nice. Yeah, which I think is mainly run by Jordan Oram. Like he's like a cinematographer, and for the most part. I could I could be corrected, but it's like a lot of like BIPOC um, mm. type of work that they yeah. also try to do and like try to promote. BIPOC TV and film is another resource for the dancers. You have Canadian, which they can you know grant you funding. There's Aris Coper. I think they do like more like workshop and theater based work. Yeah, there's a lot more that I can also kind of like link whenever yeah. like again, reach out. Just message me like whatever you want specifically, and then like I'll I can like again like my one of my friends um like I like we were. At like this this birthday party that we went to like on Friday night, and she, yeah. she's a student from Ryerson, and she mentioned she kind of just like reached out to me and was just like, like I want to get more into styling. Like I don't know if like you're able to help me. I'm just like okay. Like I connected her with one of my stylist friends. You know what I mean? So it's like it's just like a it's like a win win for everyone. And I find that like having mentors is very important for us. No, it is. Um, however, discovering them or navigating your way around finding them can be quite challenging it is it is so how would you advise a person who is looking to get into one of our fields yeah how would you advise them to find a mentor like what what's not necessarily what steps Mm -hmm. but then what can help better the chances for instance for me it would be um not pestering them Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. in a sense that knowing when when they indirectly say no yeah, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That would be one of mine. Um, and then another is not mentioning money. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If if yeah. you want a mentor, don't mention money. Don't mention um the aspect of hey, I, I can pay you. Yeah. And I, I don't think a mentor is paid. Like uh, like again, like a student from our um, TMU was pretty much just like yeah, like I want to like I don't know how to reach out to people. Like I don't have um I don't have a portfolio to show them. And I was telling them too. It's just I think and this is like a general advice for everyone. Even if you don't have the portfolio, as long as you're transparent about your intentions and that it's also like the tone of your message and like how you deliver it, it's super important because the way the way your message is sent, like the way you the way you write it, is very much. You can easily tell if like if it's genuine or not. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you're reaching out, just be transparent that you're interested in like learning more about the field that you're trying to go into, and then also, yeah, just being open to just being open to the interest don't expect any pay or any money and like don't expect that you will get paid at the end at the same time too there are people that if you reach out to they will pay at the end but but as like a as a baseline 
you're doing stuff for free just to learn information and get more yes, knowledge and exactly. also have some sort of like work in your so have some sort of part like i guess a portfolio portfolio work yeah yeah like that you can get out of it yeah even even if it's like low like low budget low too. budget yeah gear you know yeah like doesn't hurt using your phone exactly today you know you could exactly. use your phone iphone smart wait what android android whatever I, Google's. I, I hate that i don't know that <laughs> but <laughs> anyway like you could use anything yeah right um to create your portfolio exactly and it's exactly. just the message and is there potential mm -hmm. um with your work does this person show potential in the sense that are they utilizing skills or techniques that they're like what learning mm -hmm. on their own you know because that's that's a major thing i feel that people who take upon mentees actually think of is is this person able to adjust let's add on to that too like the other piece of advice instead of just like messaging i feel like also because messaging can also dilute like your actual tone of voice grab a coffee with them you know what I mean? yeah grab a coffee or even just like do like a virtual hangout it's just so you can actually know what their body language is i think that's like the most important thing is like also being socially aware of how people reciprocate the conversations because mm -hmm. if you're not able to understand that there's an easy chance of you to not have a good time with this person